Hello, I'm Pastor Zach Hoffman, and I'm the pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Gainesville, Georgia, where we seek to know Christ and love one another. We do this by witnessing faithfully, transforming our homes into places where the Word of God dwells, and by investing in the communities around us. We hope that you enjoy this podcast, and if you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning, our service times are at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. God's blessings. Today we continue our series, The Impossible King. It's a sermon series uh, walking through the Gospel of Matthew. And we've come to chapter 18, so since we didn't have our normal Gospel reading, I'm going to read the first few verses of chapter 18 for us now. At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Here ends our reading. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sermon text comes from Matthew chapter 18, verse 4. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. As I think about this verse today, there are three things that I want to share with you that can be applied to your life, and then in the end we're going to talk about something that Jesus gives us through this verse and through this passage that we just read. But first about those three things. Jesus tells us that we must become like little children. We must humble ourselves like little children. And in order to do that, I'm going to suggest these three things about children First of all, for children, they don't care how many times they ask for something. They don't care how many times they ask for something. Secondly, children do not care what they look like, but they know who they are. They don't care what they look like, but they know who they are. And finally, nothing is impossible. In a child's view, nothing is impossible. And so that first part where children don't care how much they ask for a thing. There's a comedian that tells a story about how difficult it is to put his daughter to bed. And she's at that age, maybe three or four years old, where bedtime is not fun. She still feels like she has energy, and so she's doing everything she can to get out of bedtime. And so her father will put her in bed, and she will always ask for a drink of water. She always want a glass of water. But experience tells this father that If she has a glass of water, she's likely to wet the bed. And she's again, she's still really young. Bladder control really hasn't gotten there yet. So one night, it's particularly difficult getting her into bed. And she keeps asking for water over and over and over again. Can you bring me water? Can you bring me water? Can you bring me water? And finally, the dad says a very dad thing. He says, don't make me come in there. I think every father knows those words well. And the daughter responds, when you come, bring water. (laughs) A child doesn't care how much they ask for something. There's a number stuck in my head, and it's been stuck in my head for a couple years, to be honest with you. I've thought about it, I've wrestled with it, and I'm not entirely sure what to do with it. And you've heard me share it before, and I'm going to share it again. The number is about 22. 22.2 or 22.5. That number 
comes from 2017 and 2018 when we looked at our attendance and we noticed that the average member attends 22.2 Sundays a year. The average member of Good Shepherd, according to that data, attends Sunday service 22.2 times a year out of 52 Sundays. And I know that there are many people who are sick and they're doing everything they can to get back and they want to be here and it hurts that they can't be here. And then there are others who travel and when they travel, and we have a lot in our congregation that do that, and they faithfully attend worship wherever they are, wherever they go. And that's commendable and that's good. And of course there are other reasons too, but there's a lot of room in that number for things that concern me. There's a lot of room in that number for things that trouble me. And I'll tell you the truth, as I look at it, as I think about it, like, it's not because necessarily that, that I want a full room, although I do want a full room. It, it helps whenever I tell a joke when the laughter is really loud. Um, so there is that personal bias to it. That, see, that could have been better. Just think about that. That could have been better right there. Um, but it's for you. It's for you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, because really what this culture offers us is, is a time-dominated lifestyle where it's one task on to the next. And if we get into that and drop the eternal out of our lives completely or do it in a way that only suits us within our time frames that we choose, then we lose a sense of all things meaningful. If we don't allow ourselves to step out of time and into eternity, which is what we do in worship, where God comes here to meet us, the eternal God, to give us his enduring and unchanging gifts, then we lose a sense of meaning and purpose in life. And that can happen all of a sudden, or it can happen slowly like a burden that gradually gains weight. I say this for you, and this first Sunday of the year, to reflect upon that number, and think about how it, how it works out for you. But also I say it to you because of this. As I already mentioned, children never tire of asking for the same things over and over again. And neither should we. And that's what we do. We come here in worship and we say, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. That's the Kyrie. Which one of us doesn't need that mercy? Which, which one of us doesn't need to pray for it for at least three times? Mercy is asking for something we don't deserve, but in faith expecting to get it anyway. How many of those things do you need to ask for? How much mercy do you need? Can you exhaust that? Can you pray for mercy enough? We gather together and we pray the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread over and over again every single week. And we do that as a body of believers, praying not only for ourselves, but also being reminded in that prayer to pray for each other. For those among us who, who struggle financially, we need to pray for our daily bread. And for those among us who are more stable, we also know how quickly things in life can change within a heartbeat. So we each need to pray for the daily bread that God gives, which is all of our needs. We gather together here and we say these same old lines over and over again. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities. And we say these things, but let's not think that we can exhaust the words or the truth that we speak about ourselves when we do it. We confess our sins. We're saying who we are and what we need and what God gives. 
That is his mercy and grace. The thing about children, when they're asking for something over and over and over and over again, is that each ask has just as much energy and enthusiasm and hope as the last one. It doesn't matter if that child is asking for a glass of water for the first time or for the one millionth time, right? And why is that? Because as the child is repeating over and over and over again, even as the parent is contemplating murder, the child is asking because they know that the ear of the one who loves them is close and will give. So let's not grow weary in this year of gathering together consistently. The next thing is, is that children don't care what they look like. They know who they are. And I can tell you the truth about this from my own perspective and my own memories. We used to have this towel in our house. It was a bath towel. Uh, and after bath time, it was one of those ones that you could put a hood on the child. It was a towel with a hood. You could put it over. And it was a pirate towel. It had the skull and crossbones on it. And it was, it was brown and blue, kind of piratey colors, but not too dark. You know, kid-appropriate pirate bath towel. And I can tell you that when that pirate bath towel was put on, when the hood went over the head, the child became a pirate, especially if the child found a plastic sword somewhere nearby. They would run around the house asking everyone for their booty without any regard to the fact that they are naked. <laughs> a child knows who they are no matter what they look like or what things look like. You spent time with family over Christmas. And perhaps you spent time with some family that's on the fringes or on the outer edge. The black sheep, the addicts, those who are in prison, even. And maybe in seeing them again, you were reminded and you made a choice. And if not, I encourage you to make that choice now. To spend time with those people we're on the fringes of your family and love them and do what mercy calls for. And it is true that by spending time with them, you are taking some risk because it means that there might be some factors in your family or within your friendships or whatever context we're talking about that will view that choice to spend time with those people as some kind of betrayal. But no matter what it looks like, you know who you are. You're one who has received the mercy of Jesus Christ. And so you also give it. The same thing applies in a lot of different ways in our lives. When we're dealing with shame or embarrassment or when things fall apart or when the people who are just waiting for us to fail stick out the finger and laugh at us, no matter what it looks like, we still know who we are. We carry treasure in jars of clay. We are children of God. We have been given the promise of salvation and resurrection and eternal life. We know who we are no matter what it looks like and no matter what this year might bring or what last year gave you that you're still dealing with now. And children know that nothing is impossible. There's this movie that came out a few years ago, probably familiar with it. It's very popular, and it's part of a popular series of movies. It's, the movie is titled Thor Ragnarok, which is crazy that Ragnarok has entered its way into everyday lingo. Ragnarok. That's fun. Try to say that. And so here you have 
this movie involving this character Thor, played by Chris Hem Hemsworth. And uh, while the movie's being filmed, there was a Make-A-Wish Foundation child on the set, a, a child who was struggling with some type of terminal illness. And his dream was to be near some of these Marvel action heroes. And so he got that dream met as he watched Thor being filmed. But at one time, I think it was over lunch perhaps, this same child goes up to Chris Hemsworth and has a suggestion for him because there's this part in the movie where he sees somebody that he knows, a giant green monster named the Hulk. And the Hulk comes smashing out of these gates and these two are supposed to fight. But as soon as Chris Hemsworth, Thor, lays eyes on the Hulk, he's overjoyed because he recognizes this person. And he says this line, I know him, I used to work with that guy. Something like that. You can probably correct me. Um, and so... <laughs> That line was actually suggested by a child to Chris Hemsworth, the Make-A-Wish child. If you and I were on a movie set, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't think that we should speak to, to somebody as famous and as rich and as powerful as, as Chris Hemsworth or, or, or mingle with a script of a very important movie. But this child did. Nothing is impossible. We've been taught as adults time and time again that, that people are a certain way and that there are certain patterns that we look for people to fall in. And Lord help them when they fall into one of those patterns, right? Because we know how it's going to go. We know who they are now. We know what's going to happen. We see all ends. We know what's possible and what's not possible. We know how the world is. We know how it goes. We've seen it happen time and time again. We've seen crushing failures and defeats. We've seen everything that man has tried to build up come crumbling down over and over again. We know. We know. We know a lot. Yet we are so often forgetful of our Father who makes all things possible. We live in a world surrounded by death and its power. Bodies decay. Things fall apart. People lie. Sins happen. We commit them. And yet, strangely, in the middle of all that, there's this great impossibility that someday soon, Christ will return. And he will raise the dead and do the unfathomable. To give us full joy without any sorrow. To give us life without a hint of death. To give us eternity. Where we're no longer afraid of running out of time. He has done all this for you in Jesus Christ, and nothing is impossible for him. So Jesus gives us this child in front of us, and here he gives you the full gospel. He, he gives you this child, this, this child, and says, be like him. Humble yourself like him if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he puts him right in front of us. And this year at Good Shepherd, we will continue to seek out People just like that child, those who are weak, those who are lowly, those who are lost, will try to deepen our relationship with the foster community because there are so many children that don't have home or family. We will try to reach out and feed families through our food pantry. We will do everything I, we can for those around us in this world. And I invite you to join in on that. And I invite you also to look at the children that God has placed in front of you in your life and spend time with them and share your faith with them, and have mercy on them. And not just the children, but also those who are of lowly status everywhere in any age they might be found. Because here's what might happen. In doing so, we who have received God's mercy, sharing that mercy with the lowly, might also come 
to be like them. To recognize that we can ask for something over and over again without fear of disappointment or shame. That it doesn't matter what it looks like. We are who we are by the waters of baptism, sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit. We are children of God. And that nothing is impossible for our Father in heaven. And may it be this year that by spending time with the lowly, we as a congregation, as a people, will finally grow up into being children. Amen. Out That just as surely as this boy is given to us, this is also true. That he will come again. Amen.